we always reiterate this. If you aren't explaining to the client and showing them the success that the program has had on their bottom line, then it's like you didn't do it. And we have mechanisms to do this, but I don't know that we're doing it enough and we're not explaining enough and we're not blowing our horn. I don't know if that's the right expression, whatever. You know what I mean? You've got to celebrate the successes. And I think we have to create better processes around how to make sure to do that and deliver those successes to the client so that they aren't feeling like this program isn't working for them or, and it's all transparent. And that's the beauty of A-B testing versus other marketing disciplines is that we have a way to show. Back in 2006, we had this great idea of starting a digital marketing agency, Invesp. We had no idea what our journey would look like and how our company would grow. In a turn of events, as if we weren't busy enough, a couple of years ago, we launched our SaaS company, FicPi. Two companies run by a husband-wife team and stretched thin. Our life is crazier than ever. Join us every week on Boot Trapped, where we talk about running our two companies, the ups, the downs, and the lessons we learn along the way. And another week, another episode of Boot Trap. Oh my God, what a week. Ayat, how are you doing? Good, good. I'm doing all right. A little bit more energized than last week. Yeah, last week you were just like, man, talk about like feeling down. I wonder how people felt when they listened to that episode. You know what? We're giving the true portrayal of being a entrepreneur and business owner and you have your ups and your downs and we record through everything. I love it. I mean, it's funny because most of those entrepreneurs on social media, their only shares, oh, the success is this, that. I'm like, dude, for every one success that I have, I probably have 10 failures and 10 mistakes that I missed. Leave me alone. Yeah, sometimes it makes you wonder when you read all of the other success stories, like, hey, am I the only one that's going through this? But yeah, we know the reality too. It's just... I'll just mention this and then we'll jump into our weekly update. So I remember I was at a conference and then there's the speaker who's talking about CRO and the process and they do this and they do that. And I'm like, wow, that is very impressive. And then I talked to one of his team members. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. You guys do this. He's like, no, we don't. He's like, oh, we would love to get to this point. And I thought to myself, I'm like, yeah, there's the reality of what you present in front of people and pretend. <laughs> and then there is, there is the image that you present in front of people. And then there's the reality. And I've always told our team. Make it till you make it. Make it till you nah, make it. Nah, we're not making it. So I always thought our team, I'm like, you know, hey, are we on the same path or not? Okay. Ayats, how was your week? Tell us about your week. Last week I had talked about we were onboarding. And then this week finalizing that overall, I thought the process in general was a lot smoother than previous times. So I think there's improvements there. But I guess I have yet to see, like I'm reflecting on just based on what, last week was and the beginning of this week. But I think in general, I, I do need to give it a little bit more time, but it just seemed a lot smoother in the sense that the transfer of information and just the more organized effort into helping our new resource understand the role and all this, that was all done a lot better than we've done in the past. So this onboarding a new team member, new employee for Invest. Yes. Okay. Okay, I like that. More stability with the onboarding because uh, everybody comes to you excited, correct? When they join a new job, it's like they're going through the honeymoon. But yeah, that's good. Okay, so onboarding worked really well. Okay. But the reality is now that I'm facing is we have a bunch of team members that are 
not aware of some of the new roles and responsibilities. We've been through an overhaul of every role within the company, trying to really hone in and define what the roles and responsibilities of each team member is. And with that came a little bit of change. So this new member has been given these new roles and responsibilities. However, the rest of the team that has been existing and working with the old kind of structure, structure and just roles and responsibilities and whatnot, hasn't been made fully aware of what's, it's a little bit of a phase of thinking about how do we roll all of this out to the rest of the company and make sure that everybody's on board and aware and create processes around everything, knowing that, again, like it's all, some of it might be a little bit new. Some of it might be changed. Some of it might shift the way we're doing things. So is it like, do you do it slowly? Do you do it all like just cold turkey? I'm not really sure yet, but that's a big kind of if, what, how in my mind and when. And humans are creatures of habits. We resist change. Even when it's beneficial to us, people like to do things the way they've done them. Sometimes they might feel threatened. Sometimes they might think, oh, you've added more to my duties and responsibilities, or you removed some of my duties and responsibilities. So yeah, okay, that will make for an interesting transition. Maybe the scary thing, and I, I wonder if you think about that, this is all an experiment, correct? Because we've done business a certain way. Right now, I guess, since only one team member out of 32 people knows, so we only rolled it out to 4% of the company, the other 96% doesn't know. And this whole thing is an experiment. Do you worry about that experiment? Oh, definitely. But I think for the most part, the core is still in place. There are just some things that we've shifted. It's not it's like a complete overhaul, no, but we've defined it a lot better. Previously, things were not as defined and we even had team members that would be like, oh, who's supposed to be doing this? Who's supposed to be doing that? That's not good. Is it the project manager? Is it the conversion rate specialist? Is it the designer? All that needs to be really well-defined in order for people to know, okay, this is what is expected of me and I'm going to be able to accomplish this. There's a huge positive, I think, across the board for everybody that they'll be aware of their roles and responsibilities. And what we expect from them, correct? Exactly. And our expectation is. But I think the challenge is going to be like anything that we've changed. That's the experiment part. We can decide, I think, after some time whether or not it's working or tweak things or change things. I expect that. I think that we'll probably find, hey, maybe some things aren't working out as we thought they would. And how do we mitigate this situation? Yeah. Okay. It'll be it's an interesting experiment. I guess we're always A-B testing. You know, whether <laughs> working with companies or also with an investment. Okay, so what else? So the final thing is more about just thinking about our client's strategy. This is something that actually we've been thinking about for a while. Rather than more of provide clients with tactical solutions, we want strategic and tactical. Because there's value, I think, in many ways. The strategic part helps, again, define for the client what is to come. What can they expect? What was the result of focusing on this area or this specific set of experiments? So I think there's a lot of pluses in the terms of just like reporting to our clients. Because one of the biggest questions I think any marketing agency gets is, okay, what's the ROI, right? And we have a way of reporting on the ROI and the return on investment. But I think sometimes still clients struggle when they're comparing 
their data from month to month or year over year, they might not see that result. So we have to help them see it. And I think the strategy will help define things a little bit more for them. And those are just some big, huge questions that I think we're now trying to pinpoint and think about and grow our team in that direction as well. I love that. Yeah, that's always interesting challenges, correct? It's like always improving or at least always trying to improve. Yeah. How about yourself? What did you do last week? Very busy week. Black Friday, Cyber Monday coming up. I actually did a webinar last week, so that was good. Talking about Black Friday, Cyber Monday, some of the strategies that we see that what works, what doesn't work. But from a FigPi perspective, Black Friday, Cyber Monday increases the load on our servers anywhere between 50 to 100 times. So if we are typically seeing, we see two to three billion transactions, events that go through FigPi, you multiply that by 100 and just the number grows and becomes really crazy. So two things happen. It overloads our systems. We are mostly on AWS. So AWS is very happy because we pay them a ton more money. So we've been deploying lots of optimization and it's been very impressive because it cut down our monthly bill by about 35%, which I always appreciate and I like. And at the same time, the utilization, server utilization for the same load dropped by about 90%. So the new solutions that we've deployed were just absolutely amazing. I'm like, oh, good. So we went from servers are really at full capacity at this point into, oh, these servers can handle 100 times more. Not a big deal. Absolutely. I thought you guys were thinking about moving out of the cloud. We're thinking. We are just thinking. It takes a while. We're so married to the cloud and the cloud is just... Because it's going to be cheaper, right? It's a tough spouse to move out of. I'd love to move out of the cloud, but going through the divorce courts and all that's going to be rough. So we're delaying it. It's a problem. We know it's there. Eventually, we'll deal with it and we'll continue paying Amazon until we figure this out. So that was one thing that we've worked on. Last time I said we're trying to decide. We have two features. One that's internal for us, which is the analytics engine behind FigPi. The other one is the visual editor that allows you to edit things on the fly. And we're trying to decide which one we're going we're gonna to focus on. Can you guess what? Visual editor or what's the other? Uh, or the analytics engine for basically the A-B testing that really tracks all like other websites and what's happening in them. I would, I mean, do I got to say? <laughs> Sorry. Are you going to ask yeah, me? Yeah, what do you think? What do you think was... As a user of FigPi? Yeah, I think the analytics seems like uh, really, I know that people are complaining about the engine, but the reality is that it's for the type of real like kind of testing, I don't know that the long-term value is there. Whereas analytics, I feel like is a really powerful Everybody right now is craving data. And not only that, but I think there's also a frustration with some of the data that they're getting with GA4 and, you know, all that mess. So I think there's a really big opportunity to help visitors see like the full picture with analytics. So I think analytics is. <laughs> so I was having a conversation with our team and one of the team members said, we can fix the visual editor, but anybody who is serious about conversion optimization, they're not going to use it. Why? I had to tell him I agree with you 100%. But as it turns out that 90% of the companies signing up for FigPi are not the very serious about conversion rate optimization. And they're signing up and they're paying, but they want to use the editor. And guess what? And the editor is not the magic pill, but at the same time, they have lots of expectations. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, about 90%, maybe less. I mean, 90% of the companies, but maybe about 70% of our revenue comes from those companies. But Hyde, can I just add something here? Even though the reality is that 
they have very high expectations that you are going to be unable to meet with the editor. Yeah. I think you have an education problem. You need to educate your customers. Oh my God. No, I'm not going to come and solve a problem that the whole market suffers from, at least not at this point, not with the limited resources that I have. The way that you can educate people is like blog posts and like videos and whatnot, talking about the difference between the two types of using the editor and the type of power and impact you can have with not using the editor. I think there's a lot of opportunity there just for content ideas even. So anyways. But the other use case, and I know we digressed over here, there is a large segment of our target audience who are marketers who don't use the A-B testing as we think of it, you and I, as A-B testing, but they use it for what they call personalization, which is a sort of like a, a segment subset of A-B testing. And for that, they need the visual editor. They're like, hey, we don't care about, we don't care about your A-B testing piece, but your software can actually help us solve this other problem. It goes back to the jobs to be done. So they're hiring FigPy to solve a problem that we didn't design FigPy for. They are the ones who are raising their hand and saying, yeah, we're trying to solve this problem. Your visual editor is not working. Anyways, after a lengthy discussion, Drum roll, and we've decided to solve both problems at the same time. The analytics engine, we've already started working through that. We anticipate that we'll solve it within, we have an initial version that's going to be up and ready in the next couple of weeks. And if that looks good, then we're going to build on top of that. The visual editor is a lot more complicated, so that's going to require some thinking and analyzing. So we're taking parallel path track, trying to solve both problems because we think one of them is less complicated than the other. We'll see where that takes us. And then the final thing, start focusing on sales for FigPi. We're already doing so many demos. There are some days we're doing 10 to 20 different demos. And it's interesting how people are finding us. It's all organic. They're finding us, they're signing up, they're using FigPi, absolutely amazing. So we're trying to do more reach out, try and figure out, okay, who are the good clients, customers on FigPi and how can we help them to succeed even more? So that's it. That in itself and just all the demos. And it's funny, as I'm talking, I see an email popped up again. Somebody has scheduled a demo and I'm like, okay, I'll do that. So in a very busy day, but I love those demos because you just show them, you pick their brains. Um, so it's challenging, but it's fun. So I had big lessons from last week. And what are your plans for next week? How about that? So we'll combine the questions. My lessons are never lessons. All right. They're reflections. But I do have one big Uh lesson is that if we are, and we always reiterate this, if you aren't explaining to the client and showing them the success that the program has had on their bottom line, then it's like you didn't do it. And we have mechanisms to do this, but I don't know that we're doing it enough and we're not explaining enough and we're not blowing our horn. I don't know if that's the right expression, whatever. You know what I mean? You've got to celebrate the successes. And I think We have to create better processes around how to make sure to do that and deliver those successes to the clients so that they aren't feeling like this program isn't working for them or, and it's all transparent. And that's the beauty of A-B testing versus other marketing disciplines is that we have a way to show by page what type of an impact. It's an incredible tool to have. And I think that, again, it's just a matter of how to utilize it. For next week, I'm planning to further the strategy discussions with the team, like how do we create this more better client strategy roadmap, and then figure out a new way of reporting to the clients with a more meticulous approach and a really big focus on the celebration of wins process. I love that. Yeah. Two things you have to do, correct? Deliver value. Make sure that the client knows that you've delivered value. I don't know if you're going to like this example. I always mention Keith Cunningham. He was discussing the same thing. 
He's like, if you walk into a room, there's this gorgeous lady and you're like, oh, I'm going to blow a kiss at her, but you turn off the lights. And then you're like, oh, I blew a kiss at her, but she didn't see it. Yeah, because no one knew. So do something valuable. Show them that you're doing something. Yeah, I don't like your example. I know, I know. But it's a poor example. But the better example is, we always say this for like content writing. You write a great article. It's amazing. (laughs) You put it out on the internet, but you've done no marketing for your article. Yeah. What's the point? Even if it has incredible, groundbreaking, the best information ever. If you've done nothing to push that content, then... That is a much better example. All right. (laughs) What are your lessons and plans? I don't know if I have a lesson as much as it's a question of trying to figure out how do you keep team members motivated. Sometimes when you are working on very big, long projects, some of our team members have been with us for many years. And how do you actually, going back to you celebrate the wins? How do you make them feel good about the work that they are doing? The progress. Um, yesterday, I showed you an email that we got from somebody who had just tried FigPi and how impressed. And I shared that with the team and you can tell that they just felt good about it. And I think also part of that is looking at other team members and making sure that we hire the right people because you want to hire to a certain caliber. Uh, so everybody feels, hey, I'm working with very smart people. We are doing well. So I don't know if it's, again, it's a lesson as much as a question for me to think about and ponder and try and tweak different things. Again, no big lesson, Khaled. I had actually a big lesson. Ah, And I tried to even assist you and I failed. For next week, we are rolling out new changes based on the feedback that we got for our session replay module. So that will be interesting. By the way, like sometimes you have the perfect functionality, but you're missing something so small and you get, I don't know how many tickets we get. And it's the same complaint. And I'm like, guys, let's fix it. I don't want to get another tickets. People complaining about, you have a list of sessions. You click on one, you watch it, you close, you go back to the list, click on the second one. I'm like, okay. And what are people complaining? They're like, I don't want to click back. I just want to continuously watch the sessions. And I'm like, really? You cannot imagine how many tickets we've got requests for that enhancement. So we're actually changing a whole bunch of things. Part of it is that change. So we'll see how our session replay module is going to look like. And then the other big thing that we're deploying is a new targeting interface. It's going to be a lot more comprehensive. And it's interesting because the targeting interface it's new functionality for those people like, who don't understand it. I'm not going to get into it. New functionality. All of our competitors charge an arm and a leg for, and it's going to be core functionality for FigPi because we think it's very essential. Now, we might end up deciding that, you know what? Sometimes when you don't make people pay for something, by the way, they don't appreciate, they don't appreciate it. it. Sometimes they got to appreciate it. But at the same time, don't kill them because some people complain that like, hey, you're like nickel and diming me over every feature. We're not like that. We shall see. It's funny. Okay, not a lesson, but around experimentation. There is this gentleman on Twitter, on X Twitter, and he was saying about the freemium model, that they tried the freemium model, and he said it almost killed their business. And it's funny because he mentions, he's like, he was arguing for it. They, they had amazing growth. And then he said, you know what? I think freemium, just like how ClickUp has it, how Notion has it. He's like, Trello. He's like, that's what we need to do. We need to do the freemium model. And he's like, he showed even the email that he has sent to the investors and to the team members. And he's like, it's almost killed. Our company did not. But see, they tried it for two, three months. And then they said, you know what? Nope. This is a horrible idea. Growth drop. It wasn't just, was not worth it. And that goes back to, it's funny because everybody was with it, convinced that he was saying the right thing. But then the data had another opinion. It goes back to, you always experiment. You always freak. You look at the data and you decide whether it made sense or not. With that, thank you everyone for listening. Another request. So every time we finish the podcast recording, I ask for something. So if you know somebody who will enjoy this podcast, please share it with them. 
we are trying to grow our audience and our listeners. And until next time. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode from Bootstrapped. If you learned something new from this podcast or got some useful insights, we would really appreciate it if you leave us a review. Until next time.